Hey, what's up, guys? This is Pastor Austin from Good Shepherd Church, and this is our podcast. So happy you're tuning in this week to stay caught up on what the Lord's doing in us and through us. I hope this content encourages you. I hope it challenges you, builds up your love for Jesus. Hope you enjoy the message. We love you. Amen. Good morning, church. I am Katie. I'm Austin's wife, and I get the privilege of opening God's word with you this morning. I'm so excited. So we're just going to jump right in. Um, We are in a a series called Here Too, and it's something that Austin has kind of unpacked for us that really we want to know what the purpose of our church is. Why are we here? What are we here to do? And so a couple weeks ago, he talked about that we are here to serve and really unpacked this idea of, yes, we want to be a church who loves our community, but we also want to be a church who our community loves because of the organizations that we're partnering with and just being able to show up and say, what do you need? We're here to serve. And then last week, he talked about being here to encounter and that God has so designed us for his presence and he so designed us for communion and relationship with him. It was so good. And even just that little taste of his presence this morning, I can just feel is is so encouraging to all of us. We all need that. And I know um, encounter night's coming up. I know he already talked about that, but I'm so excited. I I love just sitting and soaking in the presence of God and praying and worshiping as a body. And I believe that God's going to do some awesome things in those times. I would just encourage you to, to anticipate what would it look like for the Holy Spirit to come and encounter us on those nights. And so um, this, just this summer, I went to Desperation with Taylor and the youth, and yes, it was so good. And we, um, there was a speaker there, his name was David Perkins, and he was talking about encounters with the Lord, and he said this, I thought it was so good, an encounter with the Lord is what changes us from cute Christians to courageous Christians. And I just love that. I so long for us to be a church that's filled with courage and boldness, that we'd be unafraid and unashamed to go and do the things that God has asked us to do, no matter how hard they may be. And so today we are going to talk about being here to share. And specifically, we're here to share the gospel because we cannot encounter the Lord and experience the goodness and taste and see how good he is that he's forgiven us and he's changed us without asking, who can I tell? Lord, who else needs to hear this? Austin and I have kind of been in this pattern of talking through his sermons before Sundays. And that started a few, a few years ago as he was preaching in here more. And to be honest, I was a little scared. Um, the only thing scarier than being up here right now is having my husband up there not knowing what he's going to say. And so we, we really like started talking like Saturdays and I like to kind of pick fights every once in a while about his sermons and it's super fun. We have great discussion and, um, but one of the main things that we tend to bicker about is this idea of an unbeliever, someone who doesn't know the Lord, seemingly out of nowhere coming up and maybe with a couple interactions with us saying, gee, what's different about you? Right? I, and I just, I have a hard time with that because I don't know if that, I, it hasn't happened that much to me. And maybe I haven't just been letting my light shine like I should. But I do believe that um, we've maybe 
taken the onus and put it on the unbeliever to come to us before we share our faith and bef- before we talk about God. And we, I, I don't think that that's how it's supposed to be, right? We're, we're punting on our responsibility to actually go. So we're going to open up to Matthew 28, verse 16. This is right after Jesus died on the cross and he was buried, resurrected three days later. And right before he goes back up to heaven, this is what he says. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which God or Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is the Great Commission. We cannot talk about the purpose of our church and the purpose of the church without talking about this. This is probably top two, right? And the first thing that I notice in this is that it's a command, right? It's not a suggestion. It's not a recommendation. It's not a, hey, if you get around to it or someone comes and asks you. It's a command. And even more than that, I believe it should be a byproduct of our relationship with the Lord. I believe that if if we actually think heaven and hell are real places, we would surely feel a little more of the burden to actually go and share this. And so I think we have room to grow in that, all of us. As we look at the gospel over the last 50, 60 years and how the American church has has chosen to uh, tell the gospel, I think we have the benefit of hindsight to look back and say, maybe there's some things that we didn't do really well. These are the things that we want to do well. And we've seen truth without grace, maybe by the person standing on the side of the road that says, repent, you're going to hell, right? And, and we can all agree that that's probably created more hurdles, right? More closed doors than what we really would want. And so in uh, response to that, we've swung to this grace without truth or a very little truth. And we're not really calling sin, sin. And we're great at loving people in their sin, but not in calling them out of it. And we have to ask ourselves, is, is this the gospel of Jesus? We've seen the, the prosperity gospel where it would really major on the benefits of the gospel, like salvation, eternity in heaven, and joy when, when you're in a really difficult spot and peace in difficult circumstances. And God just wants you to be happy, healthy, and wealthy, right? And then we kind of they would kind of minor on this idea that yeah, we have to die to ourselves and we have to take up our cross and, and uh, foregoing some of the more difficult parts of the gospel. Are we doing a disservice to the people that we're telling and to the gospel itself if we're not telling the full picture, if we're not sharing the gospel of Jesus? And so we want to be a people that does both really well, truth and grace. And so we're going to look at what that looks like. 
Jesus is our example for sure. And we're going to see as the morning goes on that um, Jesus was the ultimate disciple maker. And so we're going to be looking at his example because that's what we want to do. Um, It might look a little different because I don't know about you. I'm not God. I am not perfect. I don't know how to just know exactly what is in someone's heart and the, the issue that they have in their heart. But our goal is to get to the same place that Jesus got to or that Jesus would get to with the people that we're having conversations with. We want to be able to ask questions and interact with people in a way that we're kind of mining out some of the things that Jesus would if he was having a conversation with them. So I believe we're going to get kind of practical here, okay? Um, And in that, I just, I don't want us to lose in the nuts and bolts of the reason why we're sharing the gospel. And that is because we long to see the people that we so care about and we so love whole and redeemed and forgiven and walking in this relationship with the Lord. And so if you're in here this morning and you're not sure if you believe what we believe or you're not sure what it would look like to be a Christian, I hope that maybe this even brings some clarity to what we believe and, um, Yeah, kind of go from there. So we are going to talk about three progressions that I believe must take place in a conversation or multiple conversations, right? This probably isn't going to happen just one time, but there are three progressions that we have to have in a conversation when we're sharing the gospel. The first one is going from natural to spiritual, I believe every conversation should start with the natural and go to spiritual. When we look at the, the Great Commission, it says go. And actually, the, it would maybe be a better translation to say as you go. And so it kind of assumes that we're, we're living our life. We're going to the grocery store. We're picking up our kids from school. We're doing all of these things. And as we're going, we're making disciples. And really what that also means is that we're going to have to talk to people. And so introverts, I know that that's bad news for you, but you can do it. It's going to be hard, but we should be engaging in natural conversation, right? How is your weekend? How is your family doing? How was that vacation that you were telling me about? We should be just in this time being kind and caring and the, you know, displaying the light of Jesus in natural conversations. But if we're honest, this is probably where we stop most of the time. We stop here and we hope that that's enough to have other people ask us why we are the way we are. But most of the time, that might happen sometimes, but most of the time we're going to have to make the switch to the spiritual. With Jesus as our example, we can see that he did this all the time. This is just how he operated. When we look at him calling Peter, he said, who was a fisherman, come and I will make you fishers of men. He went from the natural to the spiritual. And then we see him interacting with the woman at the well. And he goes to her and says, give me a drink. And if you knew who was asking you to give you a drink, you'd be asking me to give you water, living water that you would never thirst again. And so we just see this is how, this is how he operates. And so we're probably not going to be telling parables as we're going through the grocery store, right? Um, Gee, how's that Panera bread? Like, have you ever tasted the bread of life? I like, that's just, it's not going to work. 
with um, our cultural context, probably. But we can talk about church and community and prayer. We can have sort of some options in our back pocket that if we see an opportunity, we can take it from the natural to the spiritual. And I think we can do this more often than we might like to think or that we've kind of excused ourselves for. Um, We could do this while a grocer is bagging our groceries or a barista is making our drinks. What would it look like if we all just took, you know, kind of a goal to say, I'm going to try and make three natural conversations spiritual sometime this week. I think that would be awesome. And surely there would be open doors. If God's asking us to do this, I believe that he's going to open doors from further conversation. And as we're talking with people, we're also looking for the brokenness in their life because everyone needs Jesus, right? I need Jesus, y'all need Jesus. And so we're looking for the relationship strife or the job strife or the health issues because those can be natural bridges to the spiritual as well. Oh, I'm sorry that your daughter is so sick. I will be praying for her. And so all along, we are trying to um, get to that same place that Jesus would get to, right? And we're trying to gauge what the brokenness is in their life and see if there's any open doors there. We might say, gosh, I don't know. I don't know if I'd have friends if it wasn't for my small group at church. Or like I said, prayer is such a good opportunity, but we're listening to the Holy Spirit. We're asking him what he would like us to say in those moments. And there's going to be some trial and error in there. Like that's just how it goes. We're probably not going to do it perfectly all the time. I think Austin's told this story before. We were at the gym a couple years ago and we were picking up our kids from the kids club. And this little boy was having a seizure, like as we were walking in. And it was, it was very chaotic. The, the parents were freaking out. The uh, kids club workers were freaking out. And in just a really spiritual way, I stuck out my hand and started praying out loud for this little boy. And when I tell you they ran from us every time we saw them at the gym from then on, like it, it did not go over well. And um, if I were to do it again, I would probably do it differently, right? I just jumped to the spiritual. I didn't care if they were open to it or not. If I could do it again, I think I would say, hey, um, can, I, can I get your number real quick? I'd love to bring you a meal tonight or come pray or something like that. Something a little more natural, giving them that moment or even just waiting till I saw them at the gym again when I can say, how is your son doing? I'm so sorry that happened. What can I do? There's going to be some trial and error in that. And so the second progression, so let's say we're, we're having a conversation and we kind of sense that there is an open door and, and maybe they're asking questions. What else do we need to then talk about? We have to go, the second progression is from law to grace. Romans 3.20 says, For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. And so we, every single person that is going to be saved by Jesus Christ has to understand that sin is their problem and that they are guilty standing before God and that they have a debt. We have a debt that we could not pay. We all have to get to that place to actually understand that we need a savior. 
parents in the room, our main job is our main disciples that we're making are our children. Amen? And so I actually believe that a large part of our job is to go from the law to grace with our children. I had this epiphany a few months ago, and I don't know if it's going to sound that profound to you, but it was to me. God is our father. And you're like, yeah, no, duh. God is our father. We are his children. And in his infinite wisdom, he started with the law and moved to grace. And so with our three-year-old Haven, you guys have heard a lot about her, poor girl. She is, she's only being shown the law right now. And she's, she's, there's sin and we're showing her that there are consequences to sin. If we were to show her grace, she would not understand. She would take no consequences, no punishment as, oh, what I did wasn't that bad. And so I'm probably going to do it again, right? She doesn't understand grace. And then we have Harper, our nine-year-old, who we're still showing a good amount of the law, and I anticipate that will continue. But she is able to understand grace. And, and she can say in a moment, I know I deserve to be grounded because I've been grounded before. And I know I deserve to have my screen time taken away for this. But in a moment, then Austin and I can say, you're not going to get that punishment because Jesus has been gracious to us. And we always point it back to Jesus and how he has taken that punishment for us. And we don't need that anymore what would it look like if we, if we operated that way? And so some of you are showing grace to your two-year-old and you need to show them the law, right? And some of you are just drilling down the law to your 16-year-old and they need to see grace because it's not the law that saves us, it's grace. Amen? This is for all of us. This is, this is something that we all need to understand. Matthew 9, 12 through 13 says, but when I heard it, I lost it there. But when he heard it, he said, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice for I came to call the righteous. Not, I'm sorry, for I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. The sickness of this world is sin. And the medicine is Jesus, but they will not want the medicine if they do not realize that they are sick. We live in Loveland, Colorado with a lot of really comfortable people, middle-class people, right? They, they feel like they're good. They've got a good life. Why would I need a savior? Our job, if we're in conversation with them, is to show them their need for a savior through the law. And then there's another camp that maybe doesn't believe they deserve to be saved. They, and they are very aware of their sin. Maybe um, they're at, just at their wit's end, their family's falling apart, something like that, where they're very aware of their sin. And we get to just pretty much jump right to grace for them. Because we see that Jesus didn't interact with Pharisees the same way he interacted with the woman caught in adultery, right? We, she, the, he just moved right to grace. And he did say, go and sin no more. But we actually get to show grace first and say, hey, I've been there or I struggled with these things. And Jesus saved me from those and forgave me from those. And he can do the same for you. 
This probably isn't going to happen with a grocer while she's bagging your groceries or with a barista while she's making your drinks, right? So we are, we're going to probably need a little more time, a little more nuance for this. And so having coffee with someone or bringing someone over to dinner to, um, that you just know, like, I want to be intentional with this person, that's probably more of the space that um, is, allows for this. And so how do we do these two? How do we actually say that? The law, I think, goes a little better if we actually put it on ourselves first, right? So Christians are pretty stereotyped as hypocritical and judgmental. And so it might not go over really well to say you're a sinner, all of these things, right? It's, um, but if we put it on ourselves and kind of explain it from there, then hopefully they will understand. So let's say you have gone to the same barber every three weeks for two years and you've been waiting for a conversation to happen and somehow church comes up. You've switched to the spiritual and he says, oh, my parents were super religious, but I just decided it wasn't for me. And you could maybe say, this is it feels like this is a misconception. You know, I don't go to church because I think I'm better than anyone, right? Like you've heard of the Ten Commandments. I've lied. I've stolen. I've um, dishonored my mother and father. I've put other things before God. I've wanted something that wasn't mine. I've coveted. And so because of those things, like I, I am not better than anyone else. And I really and that's why I'm so grateful for Jesus. Something like that where you, you can actually say even the Ten Commandments because people then will at that same time be going, oh, oh yeah, I've done those things too. Oh, and I've done that too, right? And then if someone's very just aware of their sin, like I said before, we get to just show them grace and say, hey, I've struggled with this and Jesus forgave me from this and I know he'll forgive me for everything that I'm about. Uh, will ever do, right? The last thing that we are going to, the last progression that has to take place in a conversation about the Lord, leading someone maybe even to the Lord, has to go from Savior to Lord. We know that Jesus was fully God and he stepped out of heaven and he came as a little baby and he lived a perfect life and he voluntarily was killed on a cross, died, buried, resurrected three days later. And because of that, we get all the benefits of a relationship with him. We get the Holy Spirit and we get the fruits of the Spirit and we get eternity in heaven and we get to partner with him as we go through this life until that day when he comes again. Amen? He is our Savior, and He wills that none would perish. I feel like this is what we tend to think of when we think of the gospel. And so we actually, I think, are doing pretty well at this portion. So we just have to make sure then that we switch to the Lord. Jesus has to be our Lord. Let's open up to Mark 10, verse 17. This is the rich young ruler. Um, Yeah, verse 17. And as he was sitting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Oh, 
I'm still going. <laughs> Sorry. And he said, teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. Pretty impressive. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, you lack one thing. Go and sell all that you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Come and follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. It's not enough to be a good person. It's not enough to pray the sinner's prayer one time when you're 10. We have to make him Lord, and we have to actively lay down our right to run our own life. And so that's what, that's what we're going to say with the people that we're interacting with. Maybe the non-Christian, we say, and it's really hard, and I, I fail daily, but every day I try and obey his commandments, and I try and let him get in me and come out of me more, and I give him the right to tell me how to spend my money, and I give him the right to tell me how to raise my children, and all of those different things, right? We ha Jesus did not short sell his lordship in a disciple's life, and so we cannot either. He said, take up your cross. He who loses his life for my sake will find it. And so actually, just like Jesus in this story, we may be having this conversation with a, a kind of a lukewarm, lukewarm Christian, someone who uh, would maybe say with their words, yes, I love Jesus, and yes, I'm a Christian, and I follow him. But there's, there's no fruit of that. There's no... Um, just actual asking the Lord what you want me to do in my life, that sort of thing. But there may be endlessly chasing money or status or comfort, and, and you just are noticing these things in their life. God may have you in their life to have a kind, caring, but honest conversation. So how come, how come you took that job instead of this job? Did, did you ask the Lord about it, or, or was it just because it paid more? Um, how, what kind of questions could we get to to actually say, okay, okay, I think maybe money is just, you love it just a little too much or have them self-conclude that, right? What, if we were talking to the rich young ruler, how would we get to that, that same point where he says, I don't know if I can do it. I don't know if I can give everything up. I wish I could give you specific questions for every single conversation that all of you were going to have with the people in your life, but I can't. That's your job, right? You get to ask the Holy Spirit, and you get to pray and, and hear from the Lord what he wants you to say. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. He promises to be with us. That is such good news. That should give us courage. The God of the universe promises to be with us. I don't want to be a cute Christian. I want to be a courageous Christian. Amen? We must be faithful to do what God has asked us to do, but the results are up to him. 1 Corinthians 3, 6, 8, and 9 says, this is Paul speaking. I planted, Apollo swatted, but God gave the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. For God, we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. 
God chose the church to be the vehicle for the gospel to go forth, right? And I believe that he has Good Shepherd here in Loveland, Colorado, filled with disciples who love him. I believe that we all want to be better at this. And so I, I just want to challenge us to even, we're just going to take a few minutes. We're going to look over this list. And I would love if, as you're thinking about the people that you just would love to see come to know the Lord, if you could look at this list and say, I've never even taken it spiritual with them. I have I've been with them for three years. We've been friends, and I don't think they even know I go to church. My goal is to be at some point, I'm just going to take the jump and say it. I'm, I went to church this weekend. Or, or it's a more generic, I'm going to have three spiritual conversations this week. And then as the faces of specific people come up, do I, do I want to focus on the law more with them? Holy Spirit, what, what, is, what is it in their life that I need you to show them through me? Is it the law? Is it grace? And then how can I, if I imagine a conversation with them, how would I say how you've saved me and how you're Lord of my life? We're just going to take a few minutes to, to pray and ask God to do that, and then I'll come up and close us in prayer. the truth of your gospel and we're thankful that you have encountered your people and we have tasted and seen that you're good and you've saved us and you've redeemed us and you've changed us please God just give us the wisdom on how to take that to the people in our lives that you would give us wisdom that you would highlight the people just as we're going about our day that you want to touch through us we love you, Lord, and we're, we're thankful for um, just all that you are to us. Pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. I also wanted to say, if you are someone who has never made that decision,
to come to know the Lord and, and you're not sure exactly what that looks like. I just would invite you, we are gonna have a prayer team down front and I, I'll be up front, Austin will be, and we'd love to just pray with you and talk with you about that.